Hi, and welcome to Good Change Conversations with myself, Christy Hunter, and Stina Smith. We're here to inspire everyday people to do good things. Good changes come in all shapes and sizes in the form of products, mindsets, routines, and more. Each episode, we're going to introduce you to small changes that will help you and the environment. We hope you take away at least one of these and change for the better. In the wise words of Elvis Presley, clean up your own backyard first and then the world's. Focus on the small changes. Don't try to do everything perfectly. Just little bits, one step at a time. Brianne West is a living, breathing example of a Kiwi who's taken science and pushed through the barriers of commercialism to deliver a range of products to the market that are authentically good for humankind and the planet. Founder of Etique, one of the world's first solid shampoo bars, Brianne was driven by her passion for the planet by removing the traditional plastic bottle and creating a zero-waste bar of shampoo that does just that and leaves no mark on the planet. From humble beginnings, Atik is now across 26 countries with huge growth plans. Brianne wears many hats, scientist, change maker, and leader to take us into the world of tomorrow where plastic and single use is no more. She's been able to change the habits of hundreds of thousands of people and with competitive products coming to play, she's always one step ahead, anticipating new trends in the area of sustainability. She's already saved 20 million bottles from landfill. In recent years, sustainability has been a big driver in businesses and is a forerunner in leading change. Brianne and her team are incredibly inspiring to be around. It poses the question though, with all the positive changes that have happened over the last 10 to 15 years, what does tomorrow's world really look like? We're so privileged to have Brianne West right here in the studio with us to share her views. So welcome, Brianne. Thank you for having me. So, you've achieved so much in such a short space of time. When you eliminate 20 million plastic bottles, that is serious proof that you're a massive change maker. That's a lot of people who have changed their habits. Can you tell us more about you and, a te- and how Atik got so many of us to use shampoo bars and changed our beauty habits? What's your secret? Was it a, a conscious decision when you started? You know, the psyche of humans is very complex. Uh, it was a belief, well, a knowledge I have that people don't want to give something up to do something good, but most people want to do something good. So if you make it easy, you're far more likely to have that success. So whenever, way back when started a take, it was these products have to be as good as, if not better than, the leading liquid alternative. That was number one. That was alongside all the sustainability and regeneration, regenerative decisions, the products had to be amazing and therefore not soap-based, for example. And really, that is a massively understated point of importance for a teak because there are plenty of competitors out there, as you've mentioned, and we stand out because our products are really good. And that has created the fact that people want to use them and therefore they want to change because the underlying story of it, you know, that you, you rid the world of plastic bottles and, and you make all these other, you support a company that makes all these other good decisions such as fair trade and direct trade and so on, that's a bonus. But people aren't going to buy your product for that reason. Well, the vast majority of people aren't going to. Yeah, yeah, and I get that. I, I'm just thinking about what we do, you know, um, you have to be uh, producing a product that's functionally sound, don't you? You do. And there's this, there's this belief that environmentally friendly products are rubbish because years ago they weren't fab, let's be honest. 
Now they're a lot better. Brilliant. So thinking about change, we're all starting to make small, um, you know, small habit changes in the way we operate in our day to day. Um, for example, stopping using cling film. I stopped using that years ago, um, and using less single use items and so forth. On top of that, you see governments adding bans on plastic, um, implementing more green initiatives. Once we have implemented the changes we're setting in motion now, what do you see as the next wave of changes in households or for people um, that we're going to focus on? It's almost like we're going to take a step back. So convenience culture has been a lot of where this issue has developed from because single-use stuff is handy to have. I totally get it. And there is a a wave of innovation in creating compostable single-use products, so compostable plastics, which obviously have an absolute plethora of downsides. Um, There is some interesting development in terms of seaweed and whether that is potentially an actual biodegradable home compostable product. And there are some home compostable products out there, right? But I think people are going to take a step back and say, you know what, actually single use is not is not the convenience that I think it is. It's convenient for me here in the moment, but where is it when I throw it away? It's still a resource. People are beginning to understand the supply chain and the resources associated with the products they use and buy. And hopefully, I mean, the single best thing you can do for the planet is don't buy stuff you don't need, which is weird to say as a person who sells stuff. And a lot of people are always taken aback when I say that, but that's true. If you don't need it, if you really don't need it, don't buy it. And single-use products obviously have a... You need them in certain situations. Medical field, for example, we're probably never going to get rid of single-use plastic in the medical field. And um, that's fine, but you don't need a a sandwich bag. There are plenty of reusable options. Absolutely. I know at home I've got this, um, this sack that I put all my bread bags or anything that... Is, is used once, I'll put it, put it into the air and try to reuse it with, with various things. So you've always been on the forefront of trends and ant- anticipated and created changes. Based on your experience, what do you see in your own networks? Is there a new trend that's coming, either in terms of products or habits, or even a, a new way of thinking that we should be looking out for? Um, can you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on this? I don't think you can avoid the rise of purpose-led business or impact-driven business. No longer is it acceptable to most consumers that a business simply takes, 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 sells something and doesn't worry about where it came from or where it's going at the end of its life. Now, I think 86% of consumers expect a company to be working to resolve social and environmental problems. And I know a whole lot of people think a business's sole purpose is to make profit. Consumers no longer agree with you. And if you don't have a purpose beyond making money as a business, I don't believe you're going to survive the next decade, two decades, because consumers are demanding better. And beyond that, they're also demanding transparency. So not only are you saying, oh, we're going to plant a million trees. I'm not talking about a certain car company at all. We're going to plant a million trees by 2030, which is nothing. But they want you to show that it's actually doing good and to show that you're actually doing it. And that is a trend that's not going anywhere. I guess so therefore it's not a trend, it's a movement. Uh, The idea that business has to be better than just selling product and I have always believed that business will create faster positive change if employed in the right direction. Yeah, and it's a, I think you're, you're right. It's an expectation for consumers now. You've actually got to be doing something good, and the money will come down the track. But Well, purposely, businesses are more profitable. They grow faster, they last longer, and they engender more customer loyalty, and they keep their team for longer. Yeah. All good things. Amazing. And we're going to touch more on that a little bit um, down the track. It's really, really interesting um, discussion. Um, so in tomorrow's world, what do you see our habits being that pe- you know, perhaps we either, A, we don't think about today, or B, 
today perceive absolutely unthinkable to change. And I'm thinking in terms of, um, you know, it could be the way we consume, it could be mental health, it could be our diet. Um, you know, there's a whole range of different things. I think it'll be a whole, again, a whole swathe of them. Uh, in certain countries around the world, it is incredibly commonplace to use disposable products such as paper plates for your everyday meals whilst you're in your home, and, and that is, is madness to me, but it is a cultural thing that is quite common. So those are the sorts of things I expect in 10 years that simply won't be done because we will understand the waste that it is causing and the resources that it is using once. Those sorts of things I think will move along. Uh, obviously, that you cannot ignore the rise in plant-based diets. Uh, not just going vegan, but actually using meat substitutes or dairy substitutes made from pea protein or you know cell culture meats, which is certainly very interesting. I am obsessed with Impossible Burgers. I do not know why, but I think it's because it's mostly made of potato. Perhaps that's the problem. I, I think you will start to see people being really conscious with what they use, eat, buy, make, and again, it will all come back to this rise of consumers demanding better. So looking back over um, the last sort of 20 to 30 years, you see international brands like um, The Body Shop. I was an absolute, I was obsessed with Anita Roddick's book Me too. back in the day. Yeah. But they placed ethics and nature at the absolute core or the absolute heart of everything that they did or, or that they do. Um, but at the time, they were an absolute anomaly, weren't they? So in the future... Um, more businesses, I think, will place significant emphasis on sustainability, not only as a, as a differentiator, but a differentiator, but actually as a purpose, which is what you've um, mentioned just a, a few minutes ago. We've already seen this with a number of green startups, those focused on creating environmental change while also turning a profit. As a leader of change, how do you see sustainability as an actual business model? And I know you've just touched on that, but around things like B Corp certification, like is it going to be like a, a norm or an expectation from people to have or com companies? In the last, so we certified as a B Corp, I think, in 2015, and we were the second company in New Zealand to do so, which was great. It was hard, but it was worth doing, and it actually set in stone a lot of the foundation values that a TK has because it quantified things. So our 2% of sales or 20% of profit, which we donate to charity and have done since then, that has always been because that that is B Corp said that that was a good thing to do. That was better than average, and that's a good number. So that's why we stuck with that. And B Corp helps companies make good decisions. Now there are hundreds of companies across New Zealand and Australia that are certified B Corps. So that shows you the growth in, again, purpose-led business. And that was driven by consumers, but also by those businesses being started and run by people who care. I was going to say give a shit, but I don't know if you swear. <laughs> you know, businesses who actually give a damn. And and that that is very exciting. Um, the other... You, you cannot deny the, the change in just demanding better. So more sustainability certific certifications are demanded, but also more robust ones. There's a lot of ones out there that are grey, shall we say, with, with limited uh, <laughs> standards. But these are, those are getting more robust as people go along. People learn more. People understand more about it. People are more inclined to uh, set higher standards and do better anyway. Just with the, with circular economy being such a thing that a lot of governments are talking about it at the moment, circular economy is also at a bit of a macroeconomic level. But we want it to we're trying to think about it filters through to companies, obviously. So we become aware of circular economy. I don't know if when when does that become a natural household, you know, a natural household word? Do people think about 
circular economy when they're purchasing and consumerism? Like how, how are you seeing circular economy both in your, I guess, both in the way you operate at Take, but also in the way that you see some of your customers demanding and thinking things and the trends you're seeing? I only heard about the term circular economy probably two or three years ago. And Atik is by definition circular because everything we produce, whilst we won't reuse it, our packaging is not reusable by, well, I guess you could use it to plant something. Um, it is literally compostable, so it recirculates those nutrients for other organisms to use to grow, right? That's the whole point. Um, I think a lot of organisations could make themselves much more circular with very little impact if they thought about their packaging. But I also kind of have a slight issue with the way circular economy is defined well not defined but the way some organizations implement it because again they only look at the end use of their product no one looks at supply chain and that is a really common thing is supply chains are really dirty wasteful and incredibly unethical but it's least marketable so people don't talk about it as much but if we were just looking at packaging in theory if a company produces products that are entirely packaged, they're biodegradable and entirely packaged in recyclable plastic, in theory, you've got a, a circular product. You don't because of the problem we have with recycling in general and the fact that it's way, way under-resourced for where we need it to be. So really, we need to be turning off the tap rather than just trying to recycle it. We have enough plastic on Earth that we never need to make any more ever. So if you as a business are wanting to implement more circular techniques, there are some great resources out there. Um, Sustainable Business Network has great courses, great learnings to help. But certainly the first thing I would look at would be packaging. How can you make that better? And I know a lot of organisations are like, oh, we'll be recyclable by 2030. Honestly, I think that's a cop out. Do it faster. Do it now. We don't have time to wait. Good Change Refill Bench Spray Concentrates offer three charming scents to fill the rooms of your house with nature's goodness. Our multi-purpose spray uses green tea and lily with undertones of sweet orange, lime, cedarwood and violet leaf absolute. Manuka and Kanuka from New Zealand's native botanicals provide a subtle lining to the spray. Our kitchen spray for the modern home collaborates sweet orange, lemon, blood orange, lime and petite grain with a lining of kanuka. And our bathroom spray uses a fresh and delectable eucalyptus and mint lined with kawakawa, the beautiful heart-shaped New Zealand native passing on love from nature. Uh, Beauty Kitchen in the UK actually are a good example of a company trying to implement as much circularity as possible so they have aluminium bottles in a lot of situations which are endlessly recyclable, vastly superior to plastic. However, a lot more resource heavy, so you have to reuse it and recycle it or you are actually doing a net bad. Um, but they also have solid products, so they have more compostable packaging and they have they are partnering with a lot of retailers to create that uh, refill. So they are tackling circularity from a variety of standpoints. But I guess thinking about it, circular economy is not a new notion at all. Reduce, reuse, recycle, which you know we've all seen the symbol, that is literally a circularity objective. That is that is circularity with a, with a different name. Um, so we all we all know about it. We all know what it is, and it makes perfect sense. The Earth is a closed system. We only have a finite amount of resources. We are running out of rare earth minerals, you know, to make phones. And if I was focused on, and again with my limited knowledge about those sorts of things, I would think we really need to be focused on, on e-recycling I mean I don't know about you but when I was a late teen and early 20s I was obsessed with every time there was a new phone I would go and buy it now I don't give a toss but unfortunately that attitude is still very prevalent 
you don't need a new phone and what do you do with your old one I used to have a drawer full of old ones and I've since recycled them but it's actually not common to do so those are the sorts of things I think we need to be working on more so than refillable products is it is it companies that are responsible to push these new habits out or is it the consumer that's responsible for for changing themselves and um, and making the the changes themselves it's real chicken and egg us you know are we you know us as consumers it's so chicken and egg businesses are responsible for the waste they produce, the emissions they create, for everything, they need to be held accountable. They need to hold themselves accountable. But consumers can do that. And consumers have all the power in the world to go and ensure brands do better. So it's not consumers' obligation to fix it because they didn't break it. Businesses did. But businesses aren't going to necessarily hold themselves to account, so consumers need to do that. Amazing. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, it really resonates. You um, personally, do you look because you, you're sort of considered one of the leaders of change in terms of sustainability in New Zealand, do you look towards or have an icon or a, it's not really an icon, but a person that you look to as a real leader in change or leader in sustainability worldwide, a person or a company that you aspire to? Patagonia. So what's Patagonia? Honestly, they're not even perfect, and, and people don't understand why I say Patagonia, but Patagonia are honest, transparent, and they do so much good. They support activist groups. They produce a product, and not all of those products are circular because they by definition cannot be. And they're always working on it and they're so transparent about it, which is a huge thing. I, I respect that immensely because that's hard because consumers will kick you, you know? And rightfully so, again, consumers need to hold their brands to account. But Patagonia tries to is a regenerative company in that it does so much more good than it does bad because it supports those activist groups and, and grassroots organisations that are out there solving problems. We, we say we want to be the Patagonia of the beauty industry. It's actually a post-it on my social media manager's desk. Amazing. <laughs> Wow, I'm going to start start following them a bit clo- a bit more closely. Really cool. Yeah. really cool company. Brilliant, awesome. So, um, we're going to go right down to sort of the more personal, practical sort of side of things now. So, um, um, let's looking at, at like a perfect eco day for you. What what does that look like in your world? I look at it probably a little bit differently because if you, I like to be scientific about things. You cannot have a no impact day everybody does bad by simply existing and if you're going to look at it like that you're going to be miserable and guilt-ridden i try and do more good than i do bad because i'm going to do bad so i just try and overly do good so um but it's not a day per se but if i am traveling and i do now the borders have opened back up i am delighted to be able to travel again but obviously it comes with significant uh, greenhouse gas emissions not just carbon so we double offset it so the company offsets all business travel one and a half times and I offset all travel personally twice. So yes, offsets are not the answer, but they are certainly helpful whilst we develop electric aircraft, for example. So that is simply what I mean by doing more good than bad. Um, so I don't go in with a focus of doing no harm because you're immediately setting yourself up to fail and you will feel guilty because you won't achieve it. So I just try and do more good. Yeah, it's a really good point because we talk about that almost on a daily basis that people find the idea of making massive changes or um, you know trying to be perfect just too cumbersome and so they just give up. Oh, nothing fills me with more bloody rage, right, than when you see people criticising Fridays for Future protesters and say, oh, how'd you get there? Did you get there on a bus powered by diesel? Yeah, of course they did because it's a bloody system. Stupid comment. <laughs> Yeah, because you, you probably feel like you're under the microscope a little bit. But you, you, know, you can't be perfect. I drive yeah. an electric car, but it certainly is, is, is far from perfect. It's full of lithium. How do you get lithium? You mine it. Anyway. <laughs> if you were to, to give three takeaways of how people should behave to prepare for tomorrow's world, 
is there anything that you know it's just easy manageable bite-sizable pieces that they can take away think about what you buy <clears throat> do you really need it and if you do that's fine don't feel guilt for buying something that you need but try and buy consciously and i appreciate there is a, a smidgen of elitism in that comment because unfortunately sustainable regenerative products do cost more and not everybody can do that if you can great if you can't don't feel guilt about it because that's okay that's always my biggest takeaway i the other one the way to change the world is through business for good. Business for good is created by consumers demanding better. Demand better. That doesn't mean you have to go camp out in front of, I don't know, BNZ or something. It means perhaps switch to a bank that doesn't invest in things that you don't like the BNZ invests in. Or it means write a letter to your local brand saying, hey, I love this, but maybe you could switch your packaging to this. I've never met, if it's done in a really respectful manner, I've never been, met a business that doesn't love good feedback like that. And if they don't love good feedback like that, perhaps find another business. Um, and a third one. No, I don't have a third one. Those two. Those are all my key that, That's good chunky things to think about, aren't they? <laughs> we have a bit of a saying, and good change, be, be better than yesterday. I like that. So um, cool. just just do a little thing of something, and then and I like you know, and demand better from your yeah. companies. So. And, and treat today like it's the first day of the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So it, it, I mean, that's got, an Amazon yeah. saying, actually. Is it? Well, it's it's I always I, I day thought one. I was being revolutionary coming <laughs> up with a new saying. Well, it's a subliminal <laughs> messages came yeah. in, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, so so thank you very much. It's been um it's been really informative. It's just um a little bit of a peek into what's coming and and how both we as consumers, but also with our head on as startups or other companies out there starting up and what we can do just to think a little bit differently and what's and, and prepare ourselves for what's coming thank you very much thanks thank you for listening to our good change conversations we hope you are walking away feeling excited and inspired by those doing good things keep coming back we have so much more we want to tell you